Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. here today but we were we were practicing and man God swept in after our Tuesday night service and man it was powerful just praying oh my goodness it was beautiful we normally are here for like a half hour I'm sure we were here closer to an hour with practice last Tuesday it was just it's powerful God is amazing I'm thankful I serve an all-powerful God how about you amen Uh, Well, we're going to have some fun later with the, uh, with the Ruby or Floats. It's going to be a good time. Hang out after that. I'm sure the kids will have fun in Sunday school. It doesn't sound like they're having fun, but you know, that's just the separation anxiety from mom (laughs) and dad. (laughs) It's okay. Um, So we've been in a series titled Triggered. And uh, we're on Romans chapter 10 today. And so we have just been kind of cruising through Romans. And I will tell you this. When I was studying this, oh my word. Man, last night at prayer, I had gotten, I finished my, my notes and everything. And came here and prayed for a little while. And I went just at the end of prayer. I sat down and something hit me. And I was like, oh man. And then I was dreaming about it, you know, preaching it while I was sleeping last night. So I've already preached it while I was sleeping. So I'm excited to actually preach today, not in my sleep. <laughs> uh, I have a very vivid uh, dream thing going on in my head sometimes. <laughs> um, so I want to say this. If it causes questions today, like if you're reading this and as we go through Romans chapter 10, um, if it causes you to have a question about something, don't. Don't be like, well, I can't ask that question. That's a dumb question. No question is a dumb question. I'm not going to give you a dumb answer. I promise you I'm going to do my best to give you the answer that I can give you. But I promise you the Bible should trigger us to question what's going on. Is my life lining up with the word of God? That is, that's what, it, that's what we should have. And so I'm gonna ask, I want you to ask questions. So as I seek to give knowledge of the word of God, I'm imperfect. I'm going to make mistakes as I preach. And so maybe you need to ask a question so it helps me understand that, hey, I might have said that wrong. And so I know this. You can have a knowledge of the word of God and you can have a zeal for God. And sometimes those are not coupled. Sometimes we can have a zeal for God but not have a knowledge of who God is or not have a knowledge of the word of God or how to Go through the word of God. And so that's important. So if we have zeal for God, it should drive us to have a deeper relationship with God. And if we 
have an understanding of God, it should drive our zeal for God. And so today, I pray that either it comes through revelation of God or maybe a question that that what I preach today comes up with a question and you're like, hey, because sometimes revelation comes through deeper conversation with each other. Iron sharpens iron. But also sometimes God reveals things to you and you're like, wow, I've never seen this before in the Bible. That's what happens to me all the time. I'm like, I've never really seen this before. And then I start to study and God shows things. So let me ask you this question. Do you need zeal or do you need knowledge? Because sometimes, yeah, that, who said both? Because you're right. Like, yes, sometimes you need both. Like me, I have a pretty good zeal. Okay, I get excited about the word of God. I get excited about what I'm preaching. Like, and so I want you to be at least somewhat entertained with me whenever you hear the word of God. Okay, so <laughs> um, there's that. And then, and then I want you to have a knowledge of the word of God. Now, that's where, I'm, that's where I, I try my very best to study God's word so that I can have a knowledge of God's word so I can pass it on to you. And so it should drive, our zeal for God should drive our desire to have a deeper knowledge. And our knowledge of God should help us have a zeal for God. All right, so let's read Romans chapter 10, verse 1. It says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. So, who is them? Them was the Jews. But when I think about this, it's my heart's desire that all of us would have, would have a desire to come to God. You're like, well, I've already come to God. What, what do I need to do? I need to have a deeper relationship with God. So in chapter 9, um, Paul started with how he was devastated by the fact that his people didn't follow God. It should devastate us. It should devastate us. The fact that there are people that surround us that don't have a knowledge of God. We have a responsibility as the church to share the gospel, to show love. To reach people. And so verse 2 it says. I can testify about them. That they have a zeal for God. But not according to knowledge. Since they are ignorant. Of the righteousness of God. And attempted to establish their own righteousness. That they have not submitted to God's righteousness. They were doing what was felt right. They were trying to follow the law. But it became this thing. Where I had to do all of these things. And these prerequisites. And. And it was so hard to, to reach it. And so their, their righteousness became this following of the law so rigidly that when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, comes, they completely missed the promised Messiah. They have a zeal for God, but no knowledge of his righteousness. I want to have a knowledge of his righteousness so that I can have a deeper zeal for God. And so when I look at this, it reminded me of a story. Personal story time, last weekend, last weekend, yeah, last weekend on Saturday, I was coming home from Buffalo River State Park, and uh, I heard a ding go off in my car, which everybody knows what that ding means, right? It means it's the, it's the fuel light, it's time to get gas. Well, you should have got gas probably before that, but I'm pulling my camper, um, and uh, me and my wife were having this conversation, and I had a zeal for the conversation. Really, Zach? You would be excited about the conversation you're having? Yes, I was. And it, that zeal distracted me from, from what needed to be done. I had information that I needed to get gas. 
but I did not follow through with the getting of gas. So we got to Lake Park, and uh, we stop at the light, and we're in this conversation, and I take off past Casey's, and I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot to get gas. And my wife was like, well, can we make it to um, Audubon? And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> the Jeep lasts forever, you know? Like, when it, when it dings, it's, like, got three levels of red. You know, I didn't know this, and then finally it just shuts off. And at that point, I was like, I better get gas. I've never had it do that before in the Jeep. But now I was in the truck, and so I just assumed, you know, I got, I got a few miles. I can make it. There's got to be at least a gallon of gas in there. Well, there wasn't. Got right up to the top of the hill there at Lake Park, and my wife was like, hopefully it doesn't happen to us like what happened outside of Alexandria when we first got our camper. <clears throat> the car dies. She's like, did it just die? And I was like, yes, it died. Oh, no. So we pull over. I don't have a gas can, so I got to walk back to Casey's and get gas. Luckily, um, uh, Tammy's daughter came, picked me up, and took me back to the, the truck. That was nice. It was, you know, maybe, maybe a half a mile walk. It wasn't that bad, but uh, definitely appreciated the ride on a hot day. But anyways, my, my point is I have the information that I needed gas. Many have the information that they need gas, but sometimes they don't understand the importance of getting gas. They don't understand the, um, how much they need gas right now, but their zeal for something in their life has not matched with their understanding. And so we can have a zeal that's way out here and an understanding that is not what we needed. And in that moment, my zeal had distracted me from the information that I had. And so I don't want your zeal to distract you, your zeal for your job, your zeal for your goals, your life your career, whatever it may be. I don't want that to distract you from what God has for you. Because what God has is so much better. Zeal can put you in a dangerous place. It can put you in a point where it can be dangerous. you got to walk alongside the road with no one besides you. And there's cars zooming past you. Ain't nobody going to pick you up in this day and age, except for me. I might pick you up. <laughs> uh, I only say that because I picked someone up the other day. <laughs> so ask yourself, do I need more zeal with my knowledge? Or do I need more knowledge so that my zeal will be appropriately placed? So my Jeep gauge, it's completely different than the truck gauge. And I learned that that day. Life lesson, when it dings on the truck and you got a camper, get gas at the next gas station. Probably should have got gas before you were at that point. <laughs> we should watch ourselves so that we make sure that we're in line with God. So we can have a zeal for God. So we must also know God. And as we know God, our zeal for him will grow. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things, that as we grow in God, our zeal for him grows. You may see those people that are like, oh, they are such a fanatic Christian. You may actually, you may be sitting here today being like, this dude is crazy. Like, he's like waving his arms and all these things. Well, if I can tell you just a little bit about my story and what God has done for me. It's not about the part where I ran out of gas, but there was a point in my life where I was traveling down life's highway and I was out of gas and I was struggling and I was dying and I needed Jesus to save my soul. And I believe that there are people here today, there are people that maybe watch online, maybe there's someone at some point will hear this message and be like, that's me, I need Jesus. Well, he's there. He's not, he, he's not so far from you that you can't reach him. So what is salvation? Let's, actually, I missed a couple of scriptures. We're at verse four. Uh, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness 
to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart, who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, and who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. These are direct passages from Deuteronomy chapter 30. He's quoting Moses, and he's showing the connectedness of this new promise that Jesus Christ delivered and what was foretold long ago. So what is salvation? In verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this is where Greek word comes in. Because I never realized this. I was reading the commentary. Paul, up to this point, has preached, you know, we're not saved by works. Is there a part that we do? Absolutely. Yes, I've got to believe in God. Absolutely. But in this right here, he says something. He says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him. So there's two things here. You have to do these things. So check this out. The Greek word, um, kurios, and it's spelled K-Y-R-I-O-S, K-Y-R-I-O-S, kurios. This is the, this is the Greek translation for the, the Lord, the, sorry, for the word Yahweh. So Jesus as Lord, Paul was referencing calling on Yahweh, who is Jesus. This is the title that was given to God, the Messiah. You can find that if you have the Blue Letter Bible app. You can find that information there. You can go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and you can click on it, and you can look at all the information there about this. But anyways, moving on. The term was used for some of the other pagan gods. However, the address that's used in its uh, Kyria, and it's spelled K-Y-R-I-E, is used in prayer to God. And its frequent use does not occur. It does not occur in any of the pagan writings. This was a word that was used to translate prayer to God. And so throughout this, we're like, we're not saved by works. There's nothing that you can do to be saved. So... Is Paul writing here and contradicting his own words when he says you must confess, you must uh, profess, actually, Jesus Christ is Lord, and that you have to believe it in your heart? He's talking about two things. So is Paul's statement contradictory to what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost when he said repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you? Was he contradicting what happened at Cornelius' house? Or with uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? Was he contradicting those things? Those are, those are stories found in Acts. So what happened? He's not contradicting himself or any of the prior things that have happened. You will never confess with your mouth if you don't first believe in your heart. You will never have a confession that comes from your mouth if you don't first believe. So there is no magic words that save you. What? If you were just to read those words... That's just, that's empty. Confession and belief is something that happens, it takes place. I give you information about God and you come to an understanding and it convicts you. Just like on the day of Pentecost when Peter gets up and preaches and they're like, 
Linen brethren, what must we do to be saved? Paul wasn't saying, hey, this is the, this is, he wasn't writing a new gospel. He wasn't writing a new method of salvation. But what he was saying was echoing what had been preached on that day. When I believe in God, I'm going to repent. I'm going to be baptized. I need that. I, I want to be in line with what God wants. So verse 10, it says, one believes with their heart, resulting in righteousness. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I just said salvation is not magic. It's not a magic string of words that save you. But rather, it is action that takes place in our hearts. It's action that takes place in our lives. And we act on what the word of God says. And then he enacts his power and his righteousness and holiness upon us. So looking at verse 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I've been bringing Greek words into this. Last night after prayer, this one hit me. I was like looking up this scripture and uh, I clicked on the, the Greek words here, and I wasn't even looking for this word. I was looking again for the Lord to see if it was different, but this caught my attention. The phrase there, will call on, is pronounced epikaleo, and it's spelled E-P-I-K-A-L-E-O. So this is a, a root word, um, a compound word, and the very first root word is epi, meaning upon. That's what the first, that's what that first part means, epi. And then the next is kaleo. And that means to call by name, to receive the name of, or to be called. But the meaning of the compound word epi kaleo has several meanings. To permit oneself to be surnamed, to be named after someone, to call something to one, the next one right here, I love these next two. This phrase, will call on, in the Greek also means to charge something to one, such as a crime or reproach. Oh man, my life was a wreck and I got to charge the bill that I never could pay to Jesus who paid the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> So the word there, that phrase there that says we'll call on means so much more than just saying I'm calling on the Lord. I'm charging everything in my life to him. He paid the price already. So this scripture has so much more power than just what the English words have right here. But also it means to blame one or accuse one of something. Imagine that. He gets to take the blame and the accusation from me. I'm unworthy. I don't, I don't deserve it. But as I call on him, I, it's more than just saying, Lord, I need you. But rather, Lord, I'm giving everything to you. There's a difference. It's not just I need you. But rather, he wants you where you're at in your messed up state. He's like, that's what I want. Just where you are right now. That is exactly where I want you to be while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. It was the reproach of us while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Paul likened us to enemies 
of the Lord. And that as we serve him, we become weapons of righteousness. So, it's more than just calling on, but rather anyone who takes on Christ. We put Christ on in baptism, Galatians 3.27. We are buried with him by baptism so that we can walk in new life, Romans 6, 4. So this echoes what Jesus says. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not will be damned in Mark 16, 16. But I know that there's like all these people that argue, and if you don't know, that's fine. There's theologians that, that argue that, well, verses, I can't remember in Mark, these last few verses, that's not really, that really wasn't there. So I'll go back and quote John chapter 3 for anyone who doesn't agree with Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. So John chapter 3 shows the conversation with Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus confused Nicodemus in this moment. And Nicodemus asked a question. How can a man be born when he is old? I can't get back into mom a second time and be born. He was confused and he asked Jesus, what do you mean? And Jesus responded, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And we read in chapter 6, death, the death that we are, when we are buried to Christ, the death that it's talking about is something that happens to us. So baptism isn't something that I can do, but rather it's something that happens to me. It's silly if you think about it, repentance. Well, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Shouldn't I owe something? Shouldn't I have to do something? No, that's what messes with our minds sometimes is, in my messed up life, I can charge it to God. That's beautiful. In baptism. If you're like, well, that, that's, that's normal. Think about it. Think about it again. Okay, like, yes, it may be normal for everyone who's been a Christian their whole life to see someone baptized. But let's just think about it. The way the world maybe sees it. A person gets into a tank of water. And a man or woman comes over and puts them under the water, and brings them back up. It's silly if you think about it. When Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the, for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins, like, like th this blows my, like, I can't do that. There's nothing that I can do, but rather respond to God's word. So, this word that Paul uses, epikaleo, shows me that I am to charge a debt I can't pay. I've got to surrender to his will. God, whatever you want for me, I want. So Paul's not writing new revelation, but he's echoing what has already been preached. You cannot just believe unbelievable. I can't just believe that belief. Like, well, that's, that's good enough. That's, I can't believe unbelieving. I've got to. There's that scripture. Faith without works is dead. Faith in God produces action in our lives. Maybe you've come here for a while and you're like, yeah, you know what? I've been following God and I started reading my Bible at home. And all of a sudden you start noticing changes in your life, changes in certain situations. I want to put on Christ. Paul's not speaking of general belief that causes your, but, but a belief that causes your mouth to profess Jesus. Remember that zeal and understanding? With understanding comes zeal. And with that zeal comes the profession of who Jesus is. So, rather, it's a putting on of Christ. So, the confession and belief must be merged. 
It's a one, it's a, it's one thing that happens. The confession of who Jesus is and the belief is merged together. So Paul was not preaching that this is how you are saved, but that no man can come to repentance or knowledge that they, it's so that man can come to repentance and knowledge that they need a savior without first having the knowledge of Jesus. You can never come to repentance and the need for salvation without first having the knowledge of Jesus. And that knowledge resulting in belief in the heart causes me to call out and to put on Christ. So Paul is echoing what was given to Peter to preach on the day of Pentecost. And he's not rewriting anything. The Bible is not contradicting itself. Paul is not contradicting himself. But rather, he is promoting the finished work of Calvary and how that zeal in us will cause us to act on the knowledge of Jesus. So, maybe you're like, well, what is belief then? I'm glad you asked, because I was going to tell you if you didn't. So, in verse 14, it says, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, do you have beautiful feet? <laughs> uh, verse 16, it says, but not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I asked, did they not hear? They would be the Jews. Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. So the Jews heard Jesus preach in their homes, in their cities, and in their language. But yet they did not believe. They knew the nature of God. They knew the promises of God. They knew the coming Messiah but they did not act on the knowledge they had because their zeal was incorrectly placed on works. It was incorrectly placed on following the law and even Jesus said, you don't even follow the law, you struggle. Paul echoed that and said, you struggle with following the law. No one has done it perfectly ever. So here's some words that I think bring some clarity to this. How can they call on him that have not believed? How can they believe without hearing? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? So these statements are all interconnected. And it begins with being sent. The very first thing is, is we have to be sent. Maybe you're like, well, Zach, I guess you're the preacher, so you have beautiful feet. Just so you know, I hate my feet. Okay, like, I don't have beautiful feet. I'm not here to talk about feet, though. Anyways, back on topic. <laughs> but there's something that's important here. So let's look at sin. The word here is apostello, and it's spelled A-P-O-S-T-E-L-L-O. -L -L and it's to order to a place. But it comes from the word apo, meaning to be separated. So when I go, I should remain separated. And stello to fit out, to equip. Ooh, I like that. So when you are sent, you will be separated but equipped. You will not be 
together with a group of people who maybe believe. You'll be by yourself maybe. And you, you have to remind, remind yourself that God has already gone before. That he was in your tomorrow. That he was in your next week. And so when you go, remember that you have been sent to a place by God. And you're like, well, I'm not going to be a preacher. I never want to be a preacher. God has sent you right where you are. He has sent you to your neighborhood. He sent you to your apartment building. He sent you to your home. He sent you to this city. He sent you to this county. He sent you to this state. You have already been sent. So Paul was saying that people must be equipped, then sent, and they should stay separated. I can't fall into the traditions of the world. I can't fall in with what the world says. Okay, I have to use this as the foundation. God's word has got to be the foundation in everything. And in that, that separates me from the world because this is not full of popular opinion. This right here convicts and pricks the heart and is quicker and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides the things inside of us and says, hey, this needs to change. And that's why I titled this Triggered. is because sometimes the word of God is just like, well, I don't agree with that. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. It matters what you act on. There's things in the Bible that I don't necessarily love, but you know what? I'm going to follow them because I love God. So, let's look at the word preach. That's what I'm doing today is preaching. And the person who carries the, the word has beautiful feet. So according to the Bible, I've got some beautiful feet. But what does it mean to preach? Let's look at the Greek word. Keruso. And it's spelled K-E-R-Y-S-S-O. And it doesn't necessarily mean preachers. But rather to be a herald. Anyone remember, like, the town crier, you know, hear ye, hear ye. That would be a heralder. He's bringing the news to people. So it's, it says always with the suggestion of formality, gravity, and an authority which must be listened to and obeyed. Ooh, the message of God comes with gravity. The message about Jesus Christ and how he's died on the cross and saves us with that has to be preached with an authority and should be obeyed and listened to and it's to publish and proclaim openly something which has to be done so that's what a heralder is and that's what the word is right here for preach so the world is in need of someone to bring the good news you've already been sent so you, will you fulfill that part of what your Christian duty is, is to profess Jesus? It's part of who we are. So if you ask your neighbor if they have beautiful feet, and they said yes, then you can ask them, where did you share the gospel? This week I mowed your lawn. <laughs> I'm kidding, don't do that. <laughs> don't put them on the spot. I didn't give them that when I asked you guys to ask your neighbor who had beautiful feet. But who can I carry the gospel to? Who can I do? Your family. You can start Bible study in your home. You can start daily devotion with your kids. Carry it to your community. You can take it to your, your neighbors. You can carry the gospel to your neighbors. And you can carry it to the next block. And what about if you carry it to your work? How many of you know there's people in your work that necessarily don't want to hear you talk about Jesus? 
So stop talking about Jesus and let his light so shine through you that they see the good works that are within you and they notice that it's not something that you could do, but rather it's something God has done. Has anyone ever asked you, hey, will you pray for, pray for me? I, I'm like, why would you think that I can pray for you? There must be something that they see that they're like, oh, he can pray for me. He has a relationship with God. Let your light, the light of Christ, so shine before men. So, do you understand? Verse 19 says, but I asked, did Israel not understand? First Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. Paul is saying, Israel understood. To me, that's shocking. That Israel understood. And then he writes what Isaiah said. And in verse 20, it says, and Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. Isaiah was prophesying that the Gentiles who had no understanding of God would come to him. It was in God's plan all along that the Gentiles, us, would receive the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. I need Jesus in my life. So the word of God should convict us. It should cause us to change. It should cause us not to stay in the life that we've always lived because this is how we did it. But rather it should cause us to say, oh, I need to come to repentance. And as God works in our hearts to follow his word, verse 21 says, but to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. God continues to hold out his hand today. I don't know about you, but I have been a disobedient and defiant people. If I went through my whole story, the struggles that I've had, the struggles with addiction, the struggles with, with mental health, I don't feel, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I struggle when people say, pastor, I'm getting better at it, but I think that's one of the reasons that struggle is because I don't feel that I can fulfill what God has called me to. But I have to remind myself of that word, to be sent by his fellow. It means that I've been equipped. God will not take you to a place that he will not equip you for. He always equips the one who he's called. And so if he calls you, don't say in fear that you can't go, but rather respond in faith knowing that he's there that he's already equipped you and that he will equip you as you carry the gospel. So this message, I'm sure some would be like, well, that's good for a preacher. But you've got to recognize the beauty in your life. The beauty where you're at right now, that God has sent you, that God has called you, and that you get to be a carrier of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is power. It's weighty. It's, there's a gravity to it, and we have to respond to it. Why did people say, what men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? Because the word of God pricked their hearts. 
They knew what Peter was preaching and they responded with repentance to be baptized because they wanted to be a child of the promise. I want to be a child of the promise. There's nothing that I can do to have that promise, but rather follow his word and see him enact his power in my life. So, all the day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. I'm not saying anyone in here is disobedient and defiant, but I can dare say that we've all had some disobedient times in our lives. Oh, Lord, I remember as a child, and you've all heard the story of me chewing on lightning, uh, of extension cords and, you know, whatever. I was not the brightest child either, you know. <laughs> My dad would have probably said I was a few fries short of a happy meal. Well, I got the whole happy meal today, guys. <laughs> I'm excited to tell you about the Word of God and what God can do for you that you don't have to continue to live in the life you've always lived. God brought me out of addiction. I still struggle with mental health some days. But I know that I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I know that I can put my faith in him and that as I walk this life, if I will pay attention to the dinging of the fuel gauge, pay attention to the needle on the fuel gauge, I'll make it. It's when I lose focus of Jesus. When all the problems that are in our life take precedent over relationships, I've got to follow him. He's the fuel that's going to get me through my tomorrow. He's the fuel that's going to get me through next week. He's the fuel that's going to get me through my next goals in life. He's the fuel that's going to take me to the next place in my relationship with him. I need that fuel. And so the only way to get that fuel is through reading his word, through prayer, spending time with him. I need that fuel. It helps to come to church and be surrounded by like-minded believers. It's encouraging. It should be uplifting. And you're like, but I don't like to be around people. I sometimes don't like to be around large groups of people either. But there's something about church. It just does something different for me. I may be nervous at the start. But then God moves in and I'm like, Whoa, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> oh. So let me ask you this. Will you take his hand? Will you follow Jesus? How about this? Maybe you've already taken his hand. Maybe you're already following him. Will you carry the gospel to your community, to your neighbor, to your family? The purpose of all of this is so that we can all have a better understanding. This has changed. These 10 chapters have probably changed so many of my views because this is such an in-depth study that I've had to do in Romans. And I've never studied Romans like I've studied it. I count it a privilege to know the gospel. Where you live in a privileged nation, you may not agree with that or you may agree with it. And we've become so comfortable in our Christian walk that we struggle with professing Christ and preaching the gospel. We've changed what we cry 
And we're no longer a crier of the gospel, but we're a crier of the day-to-day things in our world. We cry those things rather than we cry the gospel. And this right here is what will change lives. I've got to be a crier of the gospel. I've got to be a person who will herald the coming of Jesus, the second coming. I've got to, I've got to herald that he's going to catch his church away. I've got to herald that you've got to repent. I've got to herald these things in, in, in my messages because it's the word of God. And it should prick our hearts to cause us to change, to know that he loves us. That's the beauty of it is love was always there. And so it makes it easy to submit to God's will. So I ask you this, do you count it a privilege to know the gospel? I'm thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I won't belabor anymore where I'm standing. But I truly believe that if there's something you're struggling with today, that God can change. That God can move in your life. Will you wake up in the morning and all your problems be gone? Absolutely not. But you will walk with Jesus. And there's a peace in knowing that I walk with him. As this song plays, if you need a touch from God, if you need something, I don't want you to stay where you are. I want you to come to the front and, and get what you need. And you're like, well, what will, what will me walking up to the front do? Nothing. You can get it in your seat. But there is something that takes place when I stand up and I take a step. I put my faith to action. And it's almost like I, this is, this is me telling you about me. This isn't Bible. This is, this is Zach's, this is what Zach sees. When I get up and I move forward, I am drawing a line. I won't go back. This is a new line. This is a new path. This is a new path. This is a new, a fresh relationship. This is a fresh anointing. This is a fresh place where I need to be with That is why I always ask, if you need prayer, come to the front. Because there's something in it. When I step out in my own life, I see God start moving. He just needs me to step out. God, I pray that you would move in this place right now, God. I pray that you would touch each and every one of us. God, you know the hearts that are here today, God. God, I pray that you would touch, God. God, you know the needs that are here right now, God. God, I pray that you would minister to them, God. God, I pray that you would help us to be carriers of the gospel. God, that we would herald your coming, God, that your message of salvation, God. God, that we would shine as a light in this dark world. God, I pray that you would touch people right now, God. She would move in their lives. In Jesus' name, if you want prayer, why don't you come to the front as this song plays? Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever.
for the people who we'll come in contact with. And God, as we come in contact with them, give us the faith and the, and, and the ability, God, to speak your love and not our preference. God, I pray that you would touch us and strengthen us, God. God, that we could preach your word in a dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell someone hello. Tell someone you're glad to see them. Greet someone. Have a root beer flow. And if you have a question, ask it. <laughs>